हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब आई हैव विद मी स्वाति सिन्हा शी इज वन ऑफ द फोरमोस्ट प्रैक्टिशनर्स ऑफ कथक टुडे having learned the nuances of the jaipur style of kathak from the great master pandit rajendra gangani ji at the kathak kendra new delhi and she has committed herself to practicing and propagating the art form and her performances have always been widely appreciated a bright and vivacious artist she has gained praise from connoisseurs and critics alike she is an a grade artist of doordarshan and has performed in major cultural events such as the khajuraho dance festival Surya Festival, Trivandrum, Konark Festival, Kathak Mahotsav Delhi, Delhi International Arts Festival, the Danube Carnival, Budapest to name a few. She has also toured China, South Africa and South Korea for performances sponsored by ICCR. Swati Di also gives lecture demonstrations in schools in rural areas besides the major cities for organizations such as IRCEN and SPICMK thereby contributing to creating an awareness about our culture. in the far flung villages as well swati di how are you i'm absolutely fine what about you pramit i'm doing great swati di thanks for asking and at this point i would like to thank ishani di ishani sathe and rupani rupanshi kashyap di for recommending that i reach out to you and just to get started swati di uh, i wanted to talk about the concept of riyaz and what does that mean to you riyaz uh... was actually a system that was put into our body and mind by our guru and never forcefully in the sense that we were never told that we are supposed to do riyaz every day when we used to reach kendra for our training for our classes we used to see guruji doing his riyaz so he is one of those people for whom uh, you have to practice what you preach so uh, and the moment we started doing our class and uh, there were so many um, so many instances when we were not able uh, to treat a bandish the way it should have been treated and immediately we realized where we were lacking and uh, and we knew that we had to put in more effort we had to put in more thought we have to put in more time and so and hence riyaz is something that you cannot do without uh and also uh one thing that uh, again we were not really told by guruji but we had to experience it while we saw him doing his riyas that uh you have riyas is not only preparing your body and your mind but you have to do it in a very thoughtful manner it has to be a very mindful riyas no what we do we tie our ghungrus and then Oh, okay. That is that. 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 And we just go on and on and on with it, without thinking: Is the sound of my feet musical or not? Do I need to work on that aspect? Is my tatkar uh, uh, really hitting hard on uh, the ears, or is it soft and uh, can put someone in a meditative state too? Uh, when we do our movements are we uh, putting in enough thought to the angles that really suit my body and uh, also when we uh, do the footwork particularly tatkar uh, then are we thinking about other rhythmic patterns how to incorporate those rhythmic patterns along with the tatkar or we are just uh, uh, doing a riyaz with the approach of a horse ki bhaiya na right dekhna hai na left dekhna hai just look at the watch okay 5 minutes of atgun tatkar and i am done it that is something that we have learnt seeing guruji that riyaz should be a very very mindful one it doesn't matter whether you do it 3 or 4 hours a day 16 hours a day some uh, impractical stories that we have from our forefathers <laughs> they used to do riyaz 16 hours a day but the thing is even if you are doing it for 20 minutes on a daily basis and doing it really mindfully with your heart and soul into it that will make a lot of difference to your dance and i i experienced it myself because you know as a learner 
you always go through that steps initially it's very physical for you that is how it starts and uh, later on with time with maturity with the amount of thought that you put into your art uh, riyaz also matures and the way you do your riyaz is might be different for you uh, from your colleague so uh, that is how the journey with uh, riyaz started i mean uh now this it's there's not a single day when i can do without my riyas so uh you build a relationship with your dance through riyas uh, that's uh, that's the way to uh feeling your dance thank you for sharing that swati the um i think it's a beautiful answer first of all and i think about my own riyas practice and yeah some of the things i feel like i've been doing in the sense that you know practicing say i practice 10 minutes a day now kind of building that habit but i don't do it from a place of mindfulness i do it to kind of build a habit and keep up with my classes and that's kind of why i do riyas in the first place at this point so what i wanted to know from you as a beginner kathaka how do you build or inculcate that mindfulness into your practice i assume that it comes with more experience and just doing it for a long time but would love to get your insights on that as well the most uh, important thing that beginners should be doing is first finding a way uh, to keep it consistent consistency is the key as i said the number of hours that you put might be different for each person depending on your situation in life uh we cannot really emulate now what our uh, dancers two generations even one generation back were doing okay life is very different now so uh consistency has to be maintained uh, that is what i tell my beginner students if please uh, manage somehow manage 10 minutes a day if you have done your uh, tatkar today for 10 minutes do your movements tomorrow for another 10 minutes do your chakras the day after for another 10 minutes but in that uh, uh you know that feeling that oh i don't have an hour so i shouldn't be doing my riyas today let's wait for the day when i'll have a full hour and a half to myself you just push it forward you lose the time because with dance the thing is or with any art form i'll say even with sports you leave it for one day it leaves you for four days yeah sure i'll tell you uh suppose i am able to do let, let me sure, talk sure. in a technical uh, in a more technical way which a beginner would understand i am able to do my art gun at a particular speed you know i uh, am very satisfied with my progress i'm i'm doing it then i somehow leave my riyas due to lack of time or motivation or whatever you may say and when i come back to it i'll realize that i i'm not able to keep up with that speed because it just goes out of your body and your mind so that is why i always say consistency is the key and not the amount of time that you spend and also at a uh, one point of time uh, pramit you you have to be your own teacher you know your your guru is there in front of you while the class is on and yeah. as i said in today's time life has changed a lot it has become very institutionalized so you have your guru with you for only one hour that poor person has so many things to do with you teach you new stuff correct you correct 10 others who are in the class and everything so at one point of time it is very important to become your own teacher you have to keep your eyes and ears open to be your own critic that okay my my movement is not in the right frame but to get to that layer that that mindful approach that i'm talking about to get to that layer you have to cross the physical layer of just motivating yourself to do it for 10 minutes daily so the journey the journey starts from outside the physical thing and then only it becomes internal so at least start with the physical journey somehow I really like what you said about being your own teacher, because well, that's something I can relate to right now, as I learn more and more, and I'm kind of getting to the place where I can find my own mistakes and correct them without my teacher having to tell me to make those corrections in the first place. So, with that, the next thing I wanted to talk about with you, Swati Di, is as we're talking about teachers and students, what is the? I gave myself 
or I had the opportunity to give myself ample time being a student, you know, almost 15 to 18 years of undisturbed training where I was not thinking about performances or uh, how to establish myself or anything of that sort was happening. And then I had this uh, uh, gradual transition to being an instructor. So uh, this and this journey has been there for another, uh, I'll say, 20 years or so that I've been teaching. Initially, again, you know, what happens is you just give what you have. The mindfulness or the thoughtfulness is not there. That is how it it always starts with everything. At least for me, that is how it has started. So I had learned this Toda as a child. I forwarded that Toda to the child who was there in front of me when I turned to teaching. Um, later on, you develop that instinct where uh, you know what what really interests the child, what will keep her glued to the dance form, what will keep her glued to you as a personality. And uh, because children are always attracted to the guru's personality first. And then uh, falling in love with the dance happens later. Mostly, I think. Mostly it is uh, until and unless you are blessed by him in a way that you are like, you know, born to dance types. But with people, uh, general, the general population who started off as a hobby, as a hobby class, you know, thrice a week, twice a week, once a week types. Uh, for us, it is always the person who is teaching, uh, connecting to him becomes very important. So then, then you start, then you learn that, okay, I have to build a connection with the student. It's not the, this transfer of todas that is teaching, but building a relationship, building a connection with the student, getting to know what he or she likes most and teaching accordingly to bring out the best in him. And also in the background, keep working on what are the, uh, what you can say, the loose points. Because each body uh, acts differently. Each mind acts differently. So you teach according to that. And, and then it's like uh, after a certain period of time, it's like intuitive. You don't even have to think what you have to tell the person in front of you. It's just there and you know that, okay, this thing that is coming to my mind is for him or her, whoever. That, that is how we have learned as students from our guru. Uh, our guru the generation that he belongs to and the previous generations had a very intuitive approach to teaching. It was uh, not a planned one. They never planned a class and then taught us that, okay, I'm going to teach you this Toda today. You just stand in front of them and whatever comes to their mind first is their thought that, okay, this is for you. This is what came to me. To reach, to reach that level of uh, intuitiveness, no, you have to Again, we uh, um, take a very physical approach in the beginning that, okay, just transferring. Initially, it's just transferring the todas. And then uh, with time, uh, everything develops. Again, it all depends, Pramit, on how much thought you put into it, how much effort you're putting into it to reach a point of effortlessness, which is like true for many, many things in life. You know, the aim, the aim is to reach a point where you are effortless with things. But to reach that point, there is this huge, huge space that you have to uh, cover through effort. You have to put in a lot of effort, to put in a lot of thinking. The kid, I was seven when I started, no? So uh, earlier, I used to feel that uh, seven is a mature age. But now when I see my daughter who is six, I feel a seven-year-old is actually just a baby. So uh, when I uh, went to him, the... My um, reason for going to class was always Guruji used to make me laugh. He knew how to attract kids. But during his training, Pramit, we, we never got to hear things like, Betu ye karlo, bacha idhar aajao. But bete aise nahi karo. Uh, in fact, this is the way, way I talk to the little ones. Uh, probably that mother instinct just kicks in. But, <laughs> but for him, Teaching was very, very professional. Ye movement aise karna hai. Ye movement idhar se karo. Wo tram udhar se lo. But then he put in so much humor into it that it became a fun activity for me. It was 
it it didn't remain a dance class anymore it was a place where i was having one hour of you know complete fun and uh, uh, i uh, i i am pramit a, a big time introvert no for a person like me uh, interacting with people was a big big achievement no so uh, and as a child i was very very shy so he that is the intuitive approach of a guru no the eye of a guru he knew how to bring me out of my shell how i would like my class to be how i would you know abandon my insecurities and my uh, shyness and come out as a dancer so that is the kind of intuitive approach that you uh, that that you develop over a period of time if you are really sincere and do put in a, a lot of uh, thinking into uh, what you are teaching and how you are teaching since we talked about guru that's kind of what i wanted to ask you next swati ji you've been teaching for 20 years so i was very curious to know what is your relationship with that word and how do you feel when people call you that actually the relationship with the word is uh, uh, that that uh, can be entirely my thinking pramit and i might be wrong okay uh, the relationship is not for me the relationship is for them they have to build a relationship with the word me i'm still a student i have to build a relationship with that word i was a shishya i am a shishya for myself for for my students it is actually they who who have to accept me as a guru i don't have to prove myself to be a guru if they feel that they are getting the uh the path if if they feel that i am able to show them the right way if i am able to dispel their the darkness that is in their mind then i am a guru for them it's not for me to think of myself as a guru so my relationship is with the word shishya their relationship is with the word guru uh for me i feel uh i have a responsibility to teach them the right thing no movement no idea no thought should be put across in a wrong way there should be nothing negative in my teaching that is very important for me and i should be able to clear all their doubts if i am not able to clear their doubts i should have the guts to say that listen this is not something that i know and there is one person i know who can really help us out with this and we can go to him so there should be no uh, there should be no ego involved as such between us ha- the because what happens is the word guru has been a little overrated in the sense that um first and foremost it is being used by anyone you just put uh, pull the words from the dictionary and put it in front of your name see it is not for you as i said no it is for somebody else to feel that way how can you feel yourself as a guru so that is what is happening these days even the you know 25 year olds <laughs> guru <laughs> you it's it's a it's a very uh, it's a very long journey to you know to reach that place and uh, it it doesn't come so soon uh and uh, also when you don't know something when you are not aware of a certain concept or a, or an answer you don't have an answer to a question instead of admitting that you don't know about it we know a better person who can uh, enlighten us on that you just give a wrong answer to keep your place intact that is when you're insecure about your place and and that is the point i think uh, where you even if you are you stop being a guru when you become egoistic uh, uh, with your art so the relationship is not for you to determine but it's for others to determine i think that's a really good way of putting it swati di and i'll have to think about that one and coming to my next question swati ji 
and just wanted to know about the Jaipur Gharana, something I've discussed with Ishani as well. But for you, what does the Jaipur Gharana mean to you? For me, uh, the uh, the I find there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of warmth. There is a lot of depth in the uh, bandishes that we do, and they are treated uh, in a very uh, what what I uh, what I can say with a lot of bhakti. Uh, the intra forms, uh, Dr. Saxena calls them intra forms. Okay, I'll use the word bandish. The bandishes that we use in the Jaipur style that have been uh, passed on from uh, generation to generation. They, um, the construction of the bowls uh, and all are so very interesting and uh, each, each bandish has a story to tell. And uh, so I feel the concept of storytelling in the Nritta Paksha of Jaipur is very, very strong. We say that Kathak is an art of storytelling, right? So our technical aspect, the Nritta Paksha, is so, uh, so vast and so deep. And uh, the bowls have been, as I said earlier also, the bowls have been constructed in such a way that each... Each paran has a different story to tell. It all depends on how you treat it. And the movements and all, um, I feel uh, the, the vocabulary of the movements is uh, something that is um, that the Jaipur dancers have really worked hard on. And we have a very, very vast vocabulary of movements. Uh, besides just the uh, the rhythmic patterns, the exploration of the rhythmic patterns that is, again, uh, very intricate. Uh, but then, Pramit, uh, there is also a feeling nowadays, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a newfound feeling uh, amongst, uh, when I see uh, dancers of my generation, we uh, all uh, really dance dance according to our personality, according to our self, according to what our mind says to us, how, how, a, how a toda or a paran really talks to me is very important for us now. And just maintaining the dancing to a certain bandish in a certain way because it, it adheres to a particular gharana is a thought that we are leaving behind now. We see our relationship uh, in a more broader perspective uh, with Kathak rather than just the Gharana. And I feel Gharana is, uh, is like uh, when we talk about Gharana, we talk about certain embellishments to Kathak that a region has given, that a particular set of dancers who were settled in that region have given to the dance form and there is nothing to really fight about uh, on that regard when we talk about jaipur when we talk about uh, whenever we talk about jaipur we think of rajasthan we think of the valor the the rajput kings we think of uh, we think of uh, the uh, the amount of bhakti that they have the devotional aspect in Rajasthan, in Jaipur particularly, you will see temples, a little temple in, on every road, in right in the middle of the road, in the corner of the road, somewhere down the road. So, uh, obeisance to the Lord uh, is, is again an intrinsic part of their culture. Uh, because these Rajput kings, you know, they used to go for fights and all. Whenever they used to go for battle, they used to do the Kuldevi Puja or Kuldevta Puja and then only used to leave. So that concept is very strong in Rajasthan. I'm, I'm not talking much about Lucknow because I don't know much about it. So, uh, so this type of and the art and culture of any region is, is of course influenced by the lifestyle and the political 
and social situation in those times so the art of uh, the jaipur style of kathak was of course in its essence it was what kathak is but the embellishment was that it was uh, working uh, the dancers were working on intricate rhythmic patterns because the audience uh, was of a nature that liked to see it they were taking uh, spins different types of spins there are many many different type of spins that we take so because the the audience at in in those times they they wanted to see those things it it give the it gave them a certain kind of uh, they they were excited about it when they saw it they were excited they were warriors after all they were happy to see the dancers you know dancing on shards of glass so and uh, we also have those batashas those uh, little white uh, uh, sweet things that we uh, have for diwali no they used to break those batashas it's actually very pointy if you just break it somewhere in between you will see that it's very uh, you know uh, yeah yes spiky yeah so dancing on those so all these things which required a lot of which had a lot of magic in them used to appeal to the that audience and so the dance developed that ways uh so i i'll just call it an embellishment rather than uh, talking about the style on its own the style is of course kathak the essence is kathak the heart is kathak and that is what it remains it's surprising it remains the same in the entire gangetic plain so and in in lucknow i believe it was uh, because of the um, mogul rulers and these guys were aesthetically so uh so developed they they wanted to see the uh, more intricate aspects of the movements uh, of the hand movements the body movements they they worked on the costumes because they were very fond of nice clothes and everything so uh, that is how the dance developed there swadevi so for you i wanted to follow up on this and ask you like when it comes to the jaipur gharana what are the things some of the things you wish people knew knowing what you know now having explored it in so much depth actually uh, it's it's not the uh, fault of uh, the people who have just joined in as an audience or students it is the books who have done the damage because uh, uh that is something that is available to everybody you know books the written literature that is available to everybody and that creates that already creates the uh the myth that jaipur is all about chakkars and jaipur is all about footwork uh so uh i think we need to work on that regard more than the dance form itself trying to uh trying to catch people and tell them hey listen jaipur is much more than that so we need more people who can write about this uh because i i that is what i feel uh, i might be wrong i don't know and as dancers uh i feel today pramit the situation is that the dance form has evolved in a in a way where uh, i see almost everybody wanting to take a lot of chakkars whether it is jaipur or lucknow um i see everybody wanting to do very uh, interesting rhythmic patterns with their footwork irrespective of the gharana so it is just a liking that this generation has uh, taken to this aspect and they are working on it and some of them do it so beautifully no it's it's all about uh, actually how much the dancer is involved in his dance uh technicality takes a back seat there are so many dancers who take chakras like 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 uh, and go on to 50 or so but then there are some who do it that too uh, they are treating that speed in such a beautiful way that when they take the chakras they look so beautiful and when the other one takes the chakkar it is not as good to look at or it doesn't touch me as an audience uh maybe the maybe the arm is not in the right place or i don't know what happens but uh 
when you are able to move beyond the technicalities you are able to touch the audience you are able to reach the audience and i guess uh, that's that's what uh, mindfulness is is all about no how much of uh, yourself have you put in your dance and also pramit i feel it is uh, when we dance it is our personality that comes out and when we try to do something that is just the trend just because the other person is doing it we are doing it or because the audience will probably clap for me more you tend to ignore your likings and your personality and do things that that don't really suit you so well that don't go with your thought process and that that i guess doesn't reach the audience when you do something that comes out of you that reaches the audience that is uh, that is what art is all about swadidi you mentioned something about a paran that speaks to you and that's something i want to explore more what do you mean when you say a paran speaks to you paran that speaks to me what does that mean okay um see uh, there are many many uh, beautiful combination of uh, bowls that have been created by our forefathers of uh, i'll talk about the jaipur style as such and uh, you have when you are taught an intra form when you are taught a bandish you have to develop a relationship with that bandish you know to the point where you feel that you are putting in no effort to execute it and you are conversing freely with the bowls initially again uh, as i said it all starts at a very physical level okay putting using my wrist in the best possible way uh, keeping my movements at the right angle and gradually you when you keep dancing to it for a long time for a long time you feel that you have developed a bond with that bandish and it has actually started to speak to you you uh, you are able to treat it in a way when you are dancing you are able to treat it in a way where the personality of the bandish comes out uh like um how can i explain this uh there is this paran you know dekita takita dumakita tak dhalang ta dhalang tak dhalang tak dhimi tak dhimi ditam ditam dit dumakita tak dhalang da ta okay so when i when we learn it as a learner in the beginning when it comes to you as a guest dekita takita dumakita tak dhalang ta dhalang tak dhalang tak dhimi tak dhimi ditam ditam dit dumakita tak dhalang da ta this is how you treat it okay so but when uh it stays with you for long enough you actually make it stay with you for long enough you give it enough time you give it enough emotions to it and you realize the musicality in the bowl and dekita takita dumakita tak dhalangata 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 kadimi takadimi dita madita madit dumakita dhalangada ta and you know you know the uh, the mood of dhalang okay dhalang speaks to me in this way it is a jump. it was already told to be my guru but that time it was an instruction later on it became a revelation okay dhalang is dhalang is this you know pramit pramit is a very happy guy so how will i get to know you how will i get to know that how will i get to that level when i when we meet enough when we spend enough time when i get to know you better as a person right i'll be able to say that okay pramit is like this similarly it happens with a bandish you build a relationship with a bowl and you realize that this is how it wants to be treated and for each person it it can be different a bandish can speak differently to each person so when you talk about the personality of a bandish i wanted to know that whether does the bandish have a personality of its own or does it change with the person reciting that bandish i wanted to know your insights on that uh it it actually depends on uh who is doing it because uh you know when you become um friends with a new person and you become uh, you stay on long enough you'll see that uh you know your personalities rub on each other you become a little like your friend and your friend will become a little like you so it it happens both ways similarly with a bandish it's it's like a 
See, it's a uh, what I can say uh, if I use the correct word, jivant parampara hai. It's, it's not a dead thing. It is something that is breathing, living and going on for generations right. and generations and it will go on further. Right? So, the parampara that is aspects hai, detailed aspects. Hai. And those aspects are these bandishes only. Like, there is a pakshi paran or there is a gaj paran or uh, there is uh, there is a chakkar ka toda or there is a ginti ki tihai. Each of these aspects have their own personality. You will see, uh, if you see it in a bro- broader manner, you will see there's a difference in the personality of a paran and a ginti ki tihai. You cannot put them in the same place. You know, one is uh, what you call very chanchal. You can't say that it has the weight of a gajaparan, which was like it's so different. The mood is so different. Hence, the treatment is so different. And then, then of course, my, my thoughts and my personality comes into play. Together, when we make a good pair, that I'll say again reaches out to the audience or your or by audience i i don't necessarily mean a stage performance from it it can be your mother sitting in front of you watching you perform uh, when you're doing your riyas so it just reaches out to the person in front of you i'll say that so there is a relationship that you have to develop and that happens through your daily riyas so swati ji i do want to dive into this a bit more when you talk about performances and how it ties into your daily riyas as well. What does that mean to you? I would love to know that in more detail. When I do my riyas, there are certain uh, uh, aspect of my riyas. When I try to perform completely, I perform a bandish completely. You know, without really thinking of what, what's happening with the angles and the chakras. And I just want to do it completely. And whenever I'm able to do that complete intraform, to the best of my ability, for me, that's a performance. The crux of my uh, entire effort is a performance for me. And I am somebody who doesn't, uh, doesn't even need an audience. I, I do it mos- for myself. I'm, I'm very happy about it. The moment I tie my gungroos, I'm ready for my performance. It doesn't necessarily have to be a physical space called the stage or the embellishments called the costume and the jewelry or the makeup. So as, as long as I, I feel happy dancing, each day is a performance for me. So Swati, when you think of your riyas as a performance, does the way you move change differently? I mean, there's no audience there, but when you're thinking of it as a performance, your riyas, how, what changes? No, I don't, I don't move any differently. That's just the way I would have moved on stage. It's just that uh, one is more formal on the stage. You have the mic to, uh, and you are explaining things to the audience. Because most of the times we have an audience that is not well-versed with the dance form as such. So you do a little bit of explaining and you have the interaction with the, uh, with the audience uh sometimes they uh, they talk back to you as well so uh, you are able to uh, you know uh, there is a conversation that is happening but when i perform alone without an audience it's i just converse with myself there's a conversation that is happening with myself so i feel uh, when you do a stage performance it is a, it is a formal way of performing and uh, when you do it for yourself you do it in a slightly informal way but both remains the same for me i i don't see any any difference in that uh, okay i don't get appreciation from the audience but i i sometimes when i do something well i appreciate myself also so i become okay i say i become my own audience Sometimes I'm my own teacher and sometimes you have to be your own audience. Becoming your own teacher and your own audience, Swatidi, that kind of brings me to my next question then. Have you kind of always thought of it this way when you're performing for yourself, you're your own audience, your own teacher? And if not, how did you build this kind of a mindset? Uh, I'd love to know what you think about that. Earlier, it was 
more about the physical aspect of it no being in that uh, air conditioned space with the uh, wooden flooring 100 200 people sitting in front of you fancy costume nice makeup uh, yes that uh, that was a turn on you know a thing that is uh, set in uh, very very uh, gradually after um, you can maybe call it uh, age related or or you can call it uh, time related uh, the amount of time that i have given to this uh, to the dance form the amount of uh, time that the dance form has given to me uh, interactions with my guru interaction with my seniors their perceptions their thoughts on this uh, reading a little about what others think uh, about dance their relationship with dance it it all you know helps you uh helps you build up as as a as a person as a dancer and uh, so i i say it it is i'll say it is a recent but uh if uh if not everything uh, uh, what i say resonates with uh, uh, with a, a young young personality even if a few of the things resonates say talking about riyas then it will save them a lot of time you know it'll save them a lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, depressing moments that you go through uh, when you say that i am not able to achieve this i am not able to achieve that uh, if if you do your riyas in a more mindful way right from the beginning if you push yourself to do it you put in the effort to to be able to reach that point of effortlessness uh then you you probably don't have to wait as long as i have swati so, since i'm new to this i was curious about something what are some common moments that are depressing or sad that kathakas go through throughout their journey the most common that i find from it mm-hmm. is counting the number of performances that i have had in the year or oh i don't have anything coming up for the next 3 months or 4 months and so why should i even do my riyas why am i dancing they say they think about their dance they perceive their dance in relationship to the amount of number of performances that they are able to get so that is the the most common thing and also uh, another uh, thing that i have seen i have experienced also i was able to overcome it because uh, i had my family to support me but there are some people some dancers who don't have that luxury and that is the lack of uh, the financial stability that a person needs in today's world so so i see more and more um, dancers opting for secure careers and keeping their dance alive along with that they they also put in a lot of effort it's not that uh, people like us who are 100% into this only put put in a lot of effort they are also putting in a lot of effort they are contributing to the development of the dance form as such they are also thinking a lot about what they are doing but uh, yes the uh, the financial stability aspect is there and that sometimes pulls away uh, a lot of good dancers uh, from this field Thank you so much Swati Di for sharing what Kathakas go through and that experience. And my next question to you is I would like to know what's your most memorable performance and do you have any anecdotes to share from that? Yeah, uh out of all places there is a a performance that I remember particularly from Radha Krishna Engineering College in Meerut. We had gone there. They had their annual day sort of a thing i it's it's been a long time so i don't remember what but they had this nice little auditorium a uh, uh, little stage and a good amount of students uh, and teachers sitting in front of us and i was performing and the there is there was one guy from the audience and they were they were really making a lot of noise for them it was like kya dikha rahe hain yaar kya kaam dikha diya types and uh you know all all what uh anywhere from 18 to 20 22 so they were like why why do we have this classical performance happening yeah. and there was this guy he wore a 
out of uh, boredom he wore uh, uh, black sunglasses sure. completely black that's ones that's that's that we have completely black sunglasses and right right in front of me you know i could see him so i i i just said and most of them uh, probably uh, they were not liking the performance as such but they wanted to record yeah. it uh, the mobile phones were in vogue at that time the, so i i i just said like you people are creating a barrier between you and me with this screen and with those dark glasses if you put that down let me reach you give me that opportunity for 10 minutes if i am not able to reach you i'll leave you in peace i'll leave the stage and say sorry to the organizers and leave for delhi just give me 10 minutes of your attention and then then if if you don't like it as i said i'll i'll give up so but let the barrier come down let's not uh, let's not do that so they were nice kids they said okay we do that <laughs> so they put the mobile phones down the guy took the black glasses off which were very very distracting they were huge and black and after 10 minutes they were all still and i did a meera bhajan uh for them and somehow uh, that day my vocalist was at his best i don't know what came over him he is actually a very very good singer but that day it was something else and uh by the end of the show me the audience you know we i i was also very engrossed in it we were all crying because uh, the meera bhajan went away uh, went uh, went on so so well i i could really feel that day the bhajan and the singer sang sang beautifully and the audience was completely with me so that uh, is one uh, performance that i'll i'll always remember uh when uh, when the situation was like completely against us the audience was against us the uh, it was a morning you know 11 am show type the time was against us but uh but uh, but everything finally we were all able to you know come together at at some point and uh, we all had a lovely lovely experience very fascinating swati ji so when you told them give me 10 minutes and you performed did you change anything in how you were going to move or perform or did you do just do what you were planning to do uh, pramit uh, i i generally don't plan out a performance i have always liked to keep it that way because somehow i feel the essence of kathak lies in there to be spontaneous to improvise on stage to be very intuitive to be able to judge your audience and dance accordingly that doesn't mean that i will make it very entertaining i won't make the dance form entertaining ki ye ghoda hai ye haathi hai ye uh, ye chidiya hai types yes if i am doing a primalu to chidiya hai uh, so it will be in the in the purest form but and and uh, the audience does relate to it even those who are not well that is the beauty of classical arts the depth of classical arts you don't have to change anything in it to reach the audience if you are engrossed in it if you have the depth in it then it will definitely catch the worst of audience it just pulls it you know pulls the people towards it uh, when we talk about classical we always uh, we talk about this you know thing about upliftment you know upliftment of the soul feeling you know uh, being being one with the god uh, that is true not only for the dancer you feel uh, that spiritual upliftment yourself the audience also feels it along with you they are not entertained by your dance form this is a very wrong word that has come into existence for classical arts the word entertainment it is not for entertainment the audience also gets uplifted along with you that is what the theory of ras and bhav is you emote and the audience feels and they go along with you on that journey so uh, i don't know why i came to that i think i've lost track uh, but uh, anyways let's uh, uh, i'll just uh, 
so uh, this entire gamut no of of, uh, of uh, the the classical field i guess that is why the name classical was given because at one point of time i had my doubts why classical why not just a dance form every dance form is a dance form but uh, then i feel that felt that there is a certain power there is a certain um certain magnetic quality in these art forms that take the audience along with you and they are able to experience what you are experiencing as a dancer they are able to experience as an audience even when they are not moving with you so that that is the kind of uh, environment that we have in a classical performance and i guess uh, that is what worked that day with the with the students no they they were able to uh, come along with me in my journey and when we watch these modern dances say bollywood or mm, many many other styles that we have you get entertained you feel happy you feel energetic but you because probably the dancer is also not on that journey so probably you also don't take it up so uh, you are just a mediator between that that unexplained uh, uh, unexplained feeling and the audience so the audience reaches to that level of uh, upliftment uh, of elation of happiness through you that is your job as a dancer so uh, swati ji we were on track the whole time we didn't go really go off track at all Uh, yeah, we were just talking about ten minutes, and kind of the conversation flew organically from there. And my last question to you, Swati Di. Even if I am able to uh, touch upon four or five lives who who can uh, think and contribute further to this dance form, I'll I'll be satisfied. Uh, uh, I don't know if you can. Uh, um, there are people who've left behind like 150 200 students or 10 performers to take this forward for me even if i am able to touch upon two or three lives i i'll i'll, I'll be very very happy and uh, just maybe remembered as a a dancer who thought through her dance who who didn't uh, who didn't just uh, dance in a picture perfect way but somebody who's dance maybe not make make a difference or such but uh, who could take the audience along along with her when when she performed that is she was somebody who danced uh, beyond the technicalities probably i don't know <laughs> i really haven't thought about that when i reached out to ashani and i told her that i'm bringing her on, bringing you on She was really excited, and she said she's looking forward to it. My teacher Tanvir Alam was really surprised, and he said, "Oh, Swati Di," and then kind of you know really surprised that I'm bringing you on. He's really excited as well. And finally, Rupanchi Di was another person in addition to Ishani who recommended that I bring you on, and she's pretty happy about this as well. And yeah, so I would definitely say you've affected more than a few lives out here. And yeah, with that, I bring this episode to a close. Thank you for coming on, Swati Di. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I I had a lovely time talking to you from it. Thank you so much for inviting me.